When most of us grow slightly older, we fritter away our disposable income on uh, maybe a sports car or even a Harley-Davidson. The aviation geeks amongst us may even buy a share in a light aircraft to satiate our love of all things that fly. But Andre Tempest has taken his love of planes one step further. A few years back, when the RAF were disposing of its fleet of victors, he put in a sealed bid and found himself the owner of a full-sized V-bomber, originally designed to deliver the UK's nuclear deterrent to somewhere in the Soviet Union. I was interested in hearing why anyone would want to own their own Victor, so on a brilliantly sunny spring day, I went to visit Andre and Lusty Lindy, as the aircraft is known, at Elvington, which is uh, up near York. Andre, what was it that made you want to own a Victor bomber in the first place? It's not the uh, the usual sort of thing that uh, somebody lusts after owning. I think it's the fact that um, it was part of Britain's nuclear deterrent and uh, the aircraft was totally unique in its design and aerodynamics and quite ahead of its time. Very impressive aeroplane. It does look like it was designed for the space age, doesn't it? It does. It looks like it's out of Flash Gordon or a piece of 1930s Art Deco sculpture, but it, it is very, very advanced. Um, still an advanced aerodynamic shape today. Now, had you seen these sort of things flying around your, your local airport? No, they were extremely rare to see in the skies, particularly in the north of England. You, the odd fly past at an air show, but um, mainly concentrated in uh, East Anglia, in Norfolk. Um, they were based at RF Marham's tankers. So extremely rare in the north of England. Uh, you bought this uh, at an auction, was it, from the RAF when they... Uh disbanded the V-Force? No, it was by a sealed tender to, to the MOD uh, and a bid was put in for the aeroplane and uh, we, 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 we acquired one. This particular model was built in, what was it, the 60s? This particular one was built in uh, 1961 and first flew in December of 1961 going into squadron service in uh, February of 1962 at RAF Wittering. And you bought it? In 1993, the aeroplane was delivered in November of 1993. So, uh, 19 years ago. And the, the RAF just flew it in for you uh, to Elvington? Yes, it was flown in by uh, a delivery crew, and uh, we took ownership of it the same day. Did they give you a guarantee with it? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Even took the chocks away. Did they? <laughs> Miserable sats. <laughs> so what was the, the process of actually uh, coming by the, the aircraft? You actually went down to, uh, was, it, was it, where was it based? It was based at RF Marham. Right. Uh, in Norfolk was, as part of the Victor Tanker fleet and um, it was a case of uh, go to view the aeroplane and then um, put a tender in for, for an airframe. There were seven available for disposal, um, only three actually available for private ownership and this was one of them. And in terms of the, the history of the aircraft, as you say, it was um, a 60s model. It was part of the V bomber force originally, wasn't it, along with the Vulcan and the Valiant? Yes, it was. Um, if memory serves me... Um, the nuclear deterrent went over to submarine force so these aircraft then became what conventional bombers and in, the, in this case a tanker well um, the Victor was unique because uh, as soon as the bombing roll ended the Victor bombers were mothballed um, with a view to being turned into tanker aircraft the only Mark II's that stayed in service after that were these reconnaissance Victors at RF Witten um, 543 squadron so all the Victor B-2 bombers were converted to tankers or stripped for spares if they weren't required. And this was built originally by Handley Page? It was built by Handley Page at Radlett in, in Hertfordshire. And then converted to its tanker role by? By uh, Hawker Sidley who became British Aerospace at Woodford uh, near Stockport. Okay. 
and this was converted to tanker ops in roughly what what year? Well, this was actually the prototype tanker. All right. So it first flew in '72 as a tanker. Um, went into squadron service in '77, and in fact, it was uh, put into uh, squadron service after the Queen's Silver Jubilee. It was the it was the Silver Jubilee review aircraft at RF Finningley in 1977. And did it actually see any sort of uh, active service? Um, it saw active service in the Falklands conflict, but not until after the actual bombing missions. Um, it was it was involved with air-to-air refueling trials with the Nimrod and the Hercules tanker tanker fleet. Um, and latterly, of course, uh, during the Gulf War of 1991, where she did 16 missions over uh, over occupied territory. But in terms of sort of like uh, airframe fatigue, stress, whatever, it was getting close to its limits by then. Yes, the uh, the all the victors were approaching uh, the maximum fatigue life. Um, they were actually redlined at about 132 fi fatigue ind- indices, and this particular aircraft hit around about 128, but only 6,500 flying hours. So um, extremely fatigued by uh, by the weights they had to carry. Okay, so uh, the actual aircraft itself, you uh, keep it here at Elvington at the York's Yorkshire Air Museum. And what exactly do you uh, do with it whilst it's here? Well, the aircraft is preserved as uh, as a piece of history um, in a totally complete and operational condition. We do demonstrate the aircraft on the airfield, um, high-speed taxi runs, and it's usually crewed by a full ex-Victor flight crew and ground crew members as well. So the aircraft is maintained and operated as a live aircraft. And you're trying to keep it in, not airworthy condition, but uh, taxable condition? It's um, it's it's up to full taxi standard. It, it it would be capable of flight. Everything works. All the instrumentation works. Um, the aircraft is more or less flyable, but obviously uh, l- legislation won't allow that. And what the sort of issues with keeping a, an aircraft in that sort of condition? Um, it's really time. Um, a lot of time goes into it. It's at least one full day a week for the whole team. And occasionally through the week as well, um, somebody's here working on the aircraft, maintaining it and uh, keeping ground power and things like that um, operational. So the aircraft is permanently uh, permanently working. It, it's never allowed to uh, to sit. Hugely expensive to do a taxi run. Um, it is. I mean, obviously fuel costs these days are a problem. Um, you're looking between seven and eight hundred pounds just just for a quick run down the runway. So it is extremely expensive. Um, we're always looking for sponsors. But yeah, fuel fuel is the is the problem. Operating the aircraft is not a problem. We we have the manpower and the dedication, but uh, money is the problem. Like, like like anything else these days, you've got a great team behind you. Fantastic team. The team is uh, the team works as a team, and there are no egos allowed on the team. We all work together well, and uh, we're all dedicated to keeping the aircraft as it should be. Uh, just give me a run through uh, a typical taxi run. What what do you need to do, and uh, what's the process? Well, the process starts weeks and weeks before. I mean, the aircraft is maintained to, to run anyway, but um, getting the aircraft up, up, up for a run is, involves um, packing the brake parachute, which is about a four-hour job, because the brake parachute is necessary on a Victor and anything above sort of 100 knots. But the general prep is um, gas systems such as nitrogen, hydraulic systems, which have to be topped up and checked, electrics, tyres... All, all have to check flying controls, pitot statics have to be checked because the airspeed indicators have to work correctly. Basically, the aircraft has to be prepared as if it's going to fly. Yeah. The brakes on these things were not the best, were they? 
that's a bit of a myth actually the uh, the, the brakes on the Victor Mark II are, are particularly good uh, in fact they're the same brake units as fitted to the Vulcan bomber yeah. and the tyres are also incidentally the same it, the aircraft is probably under braked for its weight but um, the, say the tail braking parachute does take, take most of the load but the brakes are, are better than pe people do let on how many crew do you use for a, a typical taxi run? It's normally full crew. Uh, we have two pilots, uh, air electronics officer, and occasionally a navigator, and one or two passengers as well, usually team members. And we're sat inside the cockpit here, and it's uh, probably the most, most uncomfortable aircraft I've ever, <laughs> ever sat in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most spacious of cockpits, is it? No, but uh, they weren't designed to be spacious or comfortable. They were designed for, for doing a job, and that was um, delivering... Um, a nuclear bomb to a target in uh, the Soviet Soviet Eastern Bloc. They were designed for uh, minimal crew glazing because of nuclear flash, so they weren't designed for um, pilot comfort. And only the pilots uh, had ejection seats. Is that the case? That that is the case, and that's the same with all the B bombers. Um, both parts had ejection seats. The rear crew had um, what is called an assisted escape seat, which basically propels the occupant towards the cabin door which can be opened by compressed air and it's um, a sort of halfway house to um, to to getting the guys out most uh, bailouts from victors by the rear crew were, were successful how big a problem would you say it is keeping your aircraft in this tip-top condition it's not a major problem providing that you put the time in it's like anything you you, you get out of it what what you put into it um you have to put a lot of time, a lot of effort in it because the aircraft is um, is unique. It's old-fashioned. Um, it's it's old-fashioned technology. But having said that, old-fashioned technology is repairable. It's just hard work. Spares. Spares is um, a bit of a problem these days. I mean, we, we were lucky in the early days to acquire a lot of spares, but we're always looking for spares for Victors. Um, in fact, a lot of Vulcan spares are actually compatible. Avionics and um, hydraulic systems are virtually identical. So we're always on the look for spares, and we're still picking things up today, which is good. Do you keep in touch with the uh, like the Vulcan guys and uh, swap parts where necessary? We, we do. Um, we uh, we have contacts um, right across the board. Uh, we know quite a lot of the guys involved with the, the flying Vulcan, and um, they, they have helped us in the past, and we've also helped them. Um, it's a small community, and we, we all, all try and help each other. It's uh, It's a common link. I've seen a picture on your blog of, uh, I think it was a, an undercarriage unit being dragged up the M1. That's correct. <laughs> that's, um, that's quite a regular occurrence. We're, uh, we're, always, uh, we're always moving things around and finding it and having things donated or whatever, and then picking things up even on eBay, would you believe? I can believe, yes. They have everything on eBay, don't they? They do. Uh, how big is your team of volunteers? Team of volunteers is round about twelve people, in, in, including the, uh, the the air crew. Which obviously the air crew only coming for uh, for the glory bit, which is <laughs> operating the aeroplane. But uh, we've got a good team. Uh, we we haven't got too many guys, which is probably good. But uh, we we all we all trust each other and we all work well together. A lot of experienced servicemen that used to work on the uh, on the aircraft. Virtually virtually the whole team is uh, ex-service. I mean, quite a few of the guys are ex-Victor, so. Um, it, it all helps. The, the specific trades, certainly on the avionics and electrical side, is um, is is definitely needed. Um, the airframe side, basically anybody who's got a mechanical skill could probably do, but certainly avionics and electrics is um, particularly specialist. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit strange having such a such a big toy? 
<laughs> when you could have like an E-Type or something in your garage. <laughs> I suppose it is, but we've uh, we've all got to have our toys, haven't we? <laughs> and you've done it now, haven't you? There's no taking it away, is there? No, there's no taking it away. We'll uh, we'll keep going as long as we can with it. And you're, uh, you'll have to keep it at Elvington for the foreseeable, because uh, you're not going to fly it out, are you? No, it, it, uh, its home is the Yorkshire Air Museum, and uh, it, she's been here quite a few years now, and uh, she's sort of part, of, part of the furniture. You mentioned you'd like uh, additional sponsorship. Any other assistance? Can people uh, help in any way financially with keeping your your aircraft going? Well, yes. I mean, we're we're always looking for uh, fuel. is 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 the main is the main problem. Um, it, it, that is that is the main expense. Maintaining the aircraft is not a particular expense unless we're looking for something specific, such as hydraulic hoses or anything like that. Which are, again, are, things like that are expensive. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's anybody out there who uh, is is able to help in any way so we, we'd like to hear from them great and how often do you do your, your run-ups engine run-ups the aircraft is um is, is run every 28 days as as per the the raf schedule um and the engines are at least turned over every 28 days so uh, she, she's kept in trim everything's everything's up to date and the taxi runs the same or less frequently taxi runs are less frequent because obviously we've got um we've got to negotiate with the airfield for access and obviously it's all down to cost as well and fuel fuel is a problem obviously and uh, tires tires wear out but it, um, we've got to be conserve our spares and uh, our consumables and andre where can people find out more about you uh, on the internet well they can find us on uh, on our victor blog which is uh, victorxl231.blogspot.com and you're also on facebook and twitter we are on uh, facebook and we're also on the um, the uh, flypass forum which is uh, key, key publishing. OK, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Andre. Thank you. After our chat in the calm and quiet of the cockpit, we had a wander around outside the aircraft to discuss uh, some of the more obvious design features. Apologies in advance for the wind noise on the microphone. Uh, I've read that uh, they say that the Vulcan is very much like a, a hand-built aircraft and no two are the same. Is it similar with this aircraft? It is. Um, the, the Victor was totally hand-built. Um, no two panels are identical on, on any two aircraft, so if you took a panel off one aircraft, it will not fit another one yeah. w without modification. Some aircraft could actually be uh, a difference of eight to nine inches in length. Jeez. Okay, so we're stood around the back of the engines. What sort of engines does it have? Uh, the engines are Rolls-Royce Conway. Um, the, the variant is particular to the Victor. It's uh, it's a CO17 engine, um, which is no, which bears no resemblance to the one in the VC10, which is the only flying Conway engine left. Um, but it, it's particular to the Victor. Uh, you say you've just fitted uh, a hose reel unit to the aircraft. Yes, we've fitted the um, the main flight refueling uh, hose drum unit in the Bombay. Um, this particular unit was donated by Flight Refueling, and um, it. It turns out that it, it is the actual unit that was used during the Falklands War to refuel the Vulcan on its way back from uh, the first bombing mission on Port Stanley, Black Book 1. So it's quite a piece of uh, history. Let's have a walk around the, uh, the rear of the aircraft. And this has um, air brakes fitted into the tail that sort of splay outwards? It has. It's, uh, it's got air brakes which are fully variable, so... Um, um, and there is no limitation on speed. The air brakes can deploy at any speed um, uh, in, in any configuration. The aircraft can be flown in any configuration with the air brakes out or in, or part way out. 
And also in the tail unit we have the uh, the drogue chute. There's a drogue chute fitted in the tail unit. Um, the unit basically is identical to the Vulcan. It's um, slight difference in the shackling of the parachute, but it is the same brake parachute as used in the Vulcan. The intakes on the top of the aeroplane are uh, ram air turbines. Um, these are emergency uh, electrical turbines which are wind driven and they can be used in the event of, um, of an aircraft engine alternator failure or in fact um, would, would power the aircraft in the event of all four engines flaming out at altitude. Right. Um, they are uh, backup, backup turbines. It does have a lot, lot of uh, uh, generating power in, far, in terms of electricity, doesn't it, this aircraft for uh, it its does. nuclear bomber role? It does. I mean, they were extremely um, powerful electrically because of the electronic countermeasures which were fitted during the Cold War era um, when they were bomber aircraft. And so they were extremely uh, overpowered electrically. Uh, in fact, um, the, the power output from a, Vict from a Victor would uh, light a small town. Is that right? That's, that's, that's correct. And in terms of its refuelling role, it has uh, three refuelling points? It does. It has a, a centre hose drum unit in, in the bomb bay, which is retractable, and also um, a drogue under each outer wing, which, uh, the, which is used for lighter aircraft such as fighters. So the Vulcans on uh, Black Buck would have used the, the centre centre. They would have used a centre hose because of the uh, the flow rate is much higher on the on the centre hose, around about 500 gallons a minute. And the, what colour scheme is this in? Is this for uh, the Gulf War? Um, it, that's a bit of a fallacy actually, because the uh, the Victors started going to, into hemp in the very early 1980s. Um, so it wasn't done for the Gulf War. It was uh, it was done as part of a a modification program in in the early 1980s and as the aircraft were um, major serviced they were all uh, painted into hemp from 83 onwards. Are you thinking of keeping it in this colour scheme? We're toying with the idea of going back to um, the camouflage pattern which was used um, on the Victor tankers up, up until the mid, uh, mid 1980s and obviously through the Falklands War. Is it fairly unique that an aircraft should be able to be refuelled in air and also be capable of refuelling other aircraft? It's fairly commonplace these days, but uh, when these air aircraft were built, they were the pioneers. Um, the first big aircraft probably to be refuelled in the air, certainly on the RAF side, would have been um, the Vickers Valiant uh, and then the, the Victors. None of the Victors were actually built with a refuelling probe, they were all fitted afterwards. Um, certainly when the Victor Mark II first went into service um, they didn't have a refuelling probe they were all fitted around about the time that they were converted to, blue, to carry the blue steel missile in yeah. the mid-1960s It is an amazing looking aircraft isn't it from the outside It, it is, it's completely unique Do you know who the designer was? Well the chief aerodynamicist was um, Godfrey Lee who worked for Handley Page but um, he, is, he is classed as the father of the Victor he, he headed the design team which uh, designed the Victor. Um, it wasn't an all-British design. Some of the uh, some of the design um, characteristics of the Victor and the Vulcan were were actually stolen from the Germans. They were German research data that was captured um, after the after World War Two. So certain parts of the aerodynamics of this aeroplane are German. Hey, I didn't know that. They were quite advanced, weren't they, with uh, jets and rocket-powered? The Germans, particularly, yeah. Did you ever see Fireball XL5 when you were a lad? I did. I certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> when I see pictures of this, I think. <laughs>
<laughs> it has a certain Fireball XL5 about the front of it, doesn't it? It does. It's like that or Stingray. <laughs> <laughs> is that who you fancy yourself as? Is, uh, Definitely not. Steve Zodiac. Yeah. <laughs> well, that used to be my nickname at school, Troy Tempest. Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, that's a bit, didn't it? Yeah. What's this big drop-down panel underneath here, this access panel? Is that radar or some sort of... Uh... It's H2S radar, which is um, a derivative of the original World War II Lancaster uh-huh. radar. Um, same radar unit used on the Vulcan and, yep. I believe, on the Valiant. It's a, it's a mapping radar, which is also um, capable of um, holding a weather facility as well. So, very powerful radar. It's still fully operational. What do you do for your day job? Do for my day job? I'm by profession, I'm a vintage car and vintage car specialist, classic cars. I also uh, restore aircraft as well. I've restored some quite a number of the aircraft at the Yorkshire Air Museum. Have you? Yeah. Um, Ferry Gannett. Oh, yeah. With the twin rotating prop? Yep, the uh, Gulf War Buccaneer, the Hurricane replica and the Spitfire replica. And also the uh, the D- Douglas DC 3 um, was repainted by myself Excellent. Uh, recently. Have you ever thought about learning to fly yourself? Um, no, I haven't actually. I've, uh, I'm more into the technical side of it. I've I've done a bit of flying. Um, fortunately, uh, I've, I've got friends who have aircraft, so uh, I'm, I managed to uh, do a bit of flying with uh, without having to go the, the whole distance of, of the expense of, uh, of getting a license. It's the best way. It is. Keep it. it keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was Andre Tempest there, owner and operator of Victor XL231. You can see the aircraft itself at the Yorkshire Air Museum, Elvington. If you'd like to see the aircraft doing one of its impressive taxi runs, then uh, I would suggest keeping an eye on Andre's blog uh, and sign up for email news or follow them on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also follow the Flying Podcast on Twitter and Facebook too. Uh, Details for all of these links are on the Flying Podcast website. If you have an interest in the Victor or its tanker ops, you should read, I would suggest, Vulcan 607, which detailed Operation Black Buck, Britain's bombing raid on Port Stanley Airfield during the Falklands War in 1982, I think it was. The book is fascinating on so many levels. It shows, I think, how uh, how badly we Brits do when it comes to military planning and expenditure. But on the other hand, shows how well we do when it comes to problem solving when the need arises. The story of how the tanker fleet was brought back virtually from the scrapyard Uh, is amazing and even amusing, I'd say. The bravery of the crews who flew the mission, though, is really quite inspiring. Uh, It was a really touch-and-go operation that only just succeeded. I very much doubt that we could even attempt such an operation today. So, well worth a read, I'd say. Well, that's it for another episode of Flying Podcast. Please send me an email if you'd like to take part, or just send your comments or thoughts and ideas for future episodes to the usual address. That, as I'm sure you'll know, is steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon.